Hey everyone, Melanie here. As I was doing my editing, I realized that there were a few mic issues, so I apologize for the sound in some of the places, and we will have it fixed for our next episode. Hope you enjoy. Our cases here at Rocky Mountain Red-Handed involve physical, mental, and emotional trauma. Please listen with caution and care. Reach out to 988, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, if you or someone you love needs help. No one is alone. The Rocky Mountains hold many mysteries. Millions of people enjoy the natural beauty, but some come across the hidden dangers. This is Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. I'm Melanie, here with my dear friend Becky. The stories we share are remembered by some, but forgotten by many. Let's dive in to Rocky Mountain Red-Handed. Good morning, Becky. Good morning, Mel. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Good. I'm excited about our case today. I know. This is one that's going on right now, Mm -hmm. so we're very excited to dive into this one. Yeah, something about today's case just hit me harder than usual. Maybe it's due to everything happening so recently, you know, or maybe because I just relate with this victim so much. Yeah, she really did live a life that's very similar to ours right now. Mm -hmm. She was busy. She was a dedicated mom and wife. Yeah. So this case is very recent, like within the last couple of weeks um, that we're going to share with everyone today. Yeah, it's breaking news and a case that we will keep you up to date on. I'm sure more things will come out about it, mm-hmm. so we'll keep you up to date on in the next couple months. Yeah, so we're going to start today's podcast differently than others because today is all about Angela. We are going to start today by sharing her obituary. As we tell the story today, you can keep in mind the wonderful person that she was in this life. Yeah, so here is the obituary of Angela Dawn Prey Craig. Angela passed away Saturday afternoon, March 18th, 2023, after a brief but heroic struggle. She was 43 years old. Ange was the beloved baby girl in a large family of 10 ruckus children and the favorite child, according to her. She was born April 15th, 1979 in Dodge City, Kansas, and got out of Dodge when she married James Craig on December 18, 1999. Over the next 23 years, Angela brought six beautiful children into the world, and her family chose to live in the Denver, Colorado area, where they have been for 15 years. Besides her unbounded sense of humor and quick wit, Ange was intelligent and energetic and used her gifts to elevate those around her, especially her children. She had a large capacity to forgive, was willing to help both friends and strangers, and she was fiercely dedicated to her family. After her children, Angela's faith in Jesus Christ is her most important treasure. Her life is a reflection of the love she gave to being a wife and mother, a neighbor, a sister, a daughter, and a friend. She served faithfully and well as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, filling various positions, including choir director, teacher, and youth organization leader. However, she most loved working as a family history consultant. She worked on her own family's history with a powerful dedication, but she also helped friends complete theirs. No doubt she has many friends and family members on the other side of the veil because of the work she has done in this life for them. Ange loved animals, though she was allergic to almost all of them, 
food truck food, mysterious television stories, and really anything that could make her laugh. She loved being outside, and though she would tell you that she didn't like to socialize all that much, she was great to talking with people. She read widely, worked on woodworking and other creative projects, and was a passionate student of interior design. Her son says that his mom loved a lot of things, but she didn't have time for them all. She had six children instead, he said. Ange's most endearing trait was showing up to everything. Family and friends' weddings, funerals, graduations, baptisms, birthday celebrations, reunions, service projects, holiday celebrations. She made sure to always be where she was needed, which is what she is still doing now. Ange is now and will be forever missed. I love how through the obituary they call her Ange. It's just like such a loving Loving yeah, term to refer like to as endearing, well. yeah. Yeah. My favorite part was the quote from her son saying she had six kids instead because being a mom of six kids is a more than full-time job. That's a lot, yes. Yeah. So this is the story of the death from poisoning of Angela Craig. First off, our love, prayers, and thoughts are with Angela's family and loved ones. She truly sounds like an amazing woman, and we wish you peace and healing through this. Yeah. We also want to say, first and foremost, that, of course, we do support the Fifth Amendment. We don't want, like, a Sam Shepard situation here. Yes. So, yes, we definitely agree with that. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Now, the research for this case was unique for me. I was able to get my hands on the arrest warrant for James Craig, Angela's husband, filed on March 20th, 2023. So this is literally breaking news. The police were able to move quite fast in this case. Almost all of the details in the arrest warrant took place in March. Yeah, so this is very recent, yeah. So you'll see on the case notes that today we only have two sources, but those two sources are very solid. Um, the arrest warrant and Angela's obituary, and that is it. Just as a note, arrest warrants commonly do have portions that are redacted. So if a name was redacted in the arrest warrant, we are going to be using a fake name during today's story. Yeah, we definitely want to respect the anonymity for any of the witnesses in, in the arrest warrant. Yeah, so Mel, let's dive in. Okay. The arrest warrant used in today's case research was issued by the Aurora Police Department. Case number 2023-48975 for the arrest of James Tolliver Craig. It was filed by Detective Bobby Olson on March 20th, 2023 at 8.30 a.m. with District Court Arapahoe County, Colorado. No bond hold was issued for the bail amount for Craig. During March 6th through March 15th, 2023 at 6795 South Robertsdale Way, Aurora, Colorado, James Tolliver Craig committed first-degree murder after deliberation, Class F1. The lead detective and author of the arrest warrant is the amazing detective Bobby Olson. She's another new hero of mine, Mal. (laughs) (laughs) She is a police detective with the Aurora Police Department and has been with the city of Aurora since July of 2013. She previously worked as a licensed peace officer in Minnesota since 2004. She has participated in police work overtly and covertly and has investigated violent crimes, homicide, attempted homicides, and officer-involved shootings as well. James Tolliver Craig was born February 11, 1978. He is 5 foot 9 inches tall and weighs 185 pounds. He's got blonde hair and blue eyes, and if you happen to see his picture online, kind of looks like a goofball. Is that... 
And the arrest warrant, is that his driver's license picture that's on there? Yeah, I, I think it is. It looks like it, but, you know, he he looks like he's super surprised and happy in it. It's, it's really a striking a pretty silly pose. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. um, Craig was a dentist at Summerbrook Dental Group. His business partner's name was Redacted, so we are going to call him Randy through the story. Yeah, Randy is a dentist as well, but he does not practice in this office along with Craig. He was he just owned the office, the business. Randy and his wife, her name was Redacted, so we're going to call her Mary. Um, they were good friends with James Craig and Angela Craig as well. Randy and Mary play a very important part in this story, so remember them for later on. Yeah, on March 6, 2023, the office manager at Summerbrook Dental Group, her name was redacted as well, so we're going to call her Carrie. Carrie had been working late that evening. She heard and saw Craig return to the office late that evening after business hours. Yeah, he slipped into exam room number nine and began quietly working at an exam room computer with the lights off. That's so weird to go into your own office. I wonder why he would be working in the dark at a random computer. Yeah, especially, you know, agreed. I thought, <laughs> Carrie thought this was odd because Craig has his own office in that dental office. So we're like really comfortable with his own computer and a personal laptop that he regularly took to and from the office like why would he be working in the dark on the exam room computer it's weird yeah um so this stood out to carrie she continued to work into the late hours and craig slipped out of the office after a little while so about 30 minutes after craig left the dental office later that evening she received a text from him he told her he would be receiving a personal package at the office and clearly stated he did not want anyone to open this package and carrie agreed so, on March 13th, six days after the mysterious late-night computer work, a personal package for Craig arrived at the dental practice. Carrie discovered that the package had been opened by another employee accidentally. Yeah, forgetting that James had asked her not to open the package, she just, like, routinely checked inside, looked inside the package. Yeah. Inside the package, she saw a biohazard sticker on a circular canister with potassium cyanide on the label. Okay, cyanide? <laughs> I, right, like, I don't know much about chemistry, but I know that cyanide is not good. That's really bad. Well, I guess, it, you know, I guess the dental office is a medical facility, so, you know. They probably get weird deliveries, but I don't know if they use cyanide. cyanide. I know, yeah, right? Yeah, so she then realized this was Dr. Craig's personal package. So Carrie resealed the box and gave it to him. This just small incident that Carrie was a part of would unravel a world of lies in the Craig family. Just two days later, on March 15th, 2023, at approximately 11.08 a.m., Angela Craig, who is just 43 years old, was checked in at UC Health University of Colorado Hospital in Aurora. She was suffering from an ongoing severe headache and dizziness. She was driven and accompanied to the hospital by her brother, who was visiting from Utah, Later in the day, James Craig, her husband, met them at the hospital. Just three hours later, around 2 p.m., Angela experienced a seizure and began to rapidly decline. She was placed on life support in the ICU. Craig sent a text to Randy, who was his friend and business partner we talked about in the beginning, and his wife, Mary, from the hospital. Craig told them that Angela had been admitted to the university hospital and that her condition was grave. Yeah, Randy and Mary went right down to the hospital, just like, you know, best friends would. When they arrived, they spoke to Craig right away about Angela's condition. 
Recently, Angela had been in and out of the hospital due to these mysterious symptoms. A doctor called Craig over to speak with him privately, so he stepped away from his friends for a minute to talk to this doctor. Yeah. While Craig was on the phone with the doctor, the couple, um, Randy and Mary, spoke to a nurse. Randy and Mary shared that, that they had suspicions that Angela could have been possibly poisoned with potassium cyanide. I mean, I think this is so amazing that they spoke up so quickly, especially because they were friends with both of them. I think it's amazing that they that they made this known. It, yeah, it had to take a lot of courage. It would be yeah. really intimidating to make that sort of accu- accusation when you don't know for sure. Definitely. I think it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Craig had recently made that mysterious order under the guise of using it at the dental practice. Yeah, they explained to the nurse that there was absolutely no medical reason or purpose to order potassium cyanide for a dental practice. Yeah, so this nurse immediately called the police and an investigation began. And again, so glad that she just called right away. Serious, yeah. At the hospital, Randy and Mary watched Craig, you know, cry and show a lot of emotion while meeting with the team of medical professionals trying to help Angela. Randy and Mary left the hospital and while in the car, Craig called Randy. The car's Bluetooth connected so the couple could hear the conversation together. Craig said he had, quote, heard some disturbing information and then asked Randy if he had said anything to the hospital staff. Randy admitted that he had talked with the nurse and told Craig that he was aware of the package that he had ordered. Yeah, Craig lied and said the package had a ring inside that he had ordered as a special gift for Angela. Such a liar. I know, such a liar. Randy called him out on this lie and told Craig he knew it was not a ring in that package. Craig countered and said that the package had only been opened by him. So how would Randy know what was inside the package? Yeah, Craig at this point is completely wrapping himself up in all of these lies. I know, I know. Randy's like my hero. He's like not afraid of confrontation. I know, which is so awesome. Yeah. Randy then told Craig that the package was definitely opened before he received it and it did not contain a ring. Randy asked why in the world would Craig buy potassium cyanide? Craig, probably realizing that he was drowning in his lies, eventually fessed up and said Angela had asked him to buy it for her. He said he purchased it, but, quote, didn't think she would actually take it. That is such a dumb lie, Mel. So he's trying to say here that she wanted to commit suicide by... It sounds like that's what he's leading to, right? Yeah, and if she was having these mental health issues, why would you buy that even if you didn't think she was going to use it yeah why would you supply that yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. craig described the situation as being similar to a game of quote chicken oh my gosh ranny interrupted craig out of frustration and told him to stop talking and advised him he better get a lawyer and hung up this seems like a good time for our first break rocky mountain red-handed is brought to you by balance of nature I love my balance of nature. I take it every morning and it makes me feel so good. I do not like to eat vegetables, so I take my balance of nature to be able to get in the nutrients that I need. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code REDHANDED for 35% off your first order. We call it three and three. I take my three capsules of veggies, three capsules of fruits, and it gives me all I need. So that's balance of nature, promo code REDHANDED. 
A huge thank you to our sponsors. Thank you so much, sponsors. Mary also spoke with the Aurora PD. She shared a similar account as her husband, Randy. Yeah, Mary told police that Angela first became sick on March 6th, the day of the late night computer work, Mal. Angela was feeling dizzy and weak with all-around fatigue. She drove herself to Parker Adventist Hospital and was released the same day. Then again, on March 9th, she had the exact same symptoms and returned to Parker Adventist. They observed her for five days this time and then released her on March 14th after they were unable to determine the cause of her sickness. Gosh, after being in the hospital for five days and leaving, not having any answers, how frustrating she must have felt. Yeah, that's got to be so terrible. She just she just felt horrible and nobody could help her. Tell no her why she was feeling that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next day, March 15th, Angela again was checked in at UC Health University of Colorado Hospital by her brother. Mary shared texts that she and Craig had exchanged after Angela had been admitted to the hospital on March 9th. Mary wanted to keep up to the minute with Angela's health. You see, Mary is a professor and has a PhD in nursing. So she was hoping that maybe she could help contribute to the diagnosis and help Angela in some way because of her education and background. Yeah, that's really cool. She wanted to help. Mm-hmm. So Mary shared screenshots with Detective Olson. Um, you can see those texts on our socials. So our socials are, if you go to Instagram, it's at Rocky Mountain Red Handed. You can check us out on Facebook. And our Twitter is... Um, rmrh podcast yeah and especially this case there is so much to see um of the different conversations a couple pictures like there is a lot to see to help um understand this case fully yeah so on those screenshots you can read mary is wanting to help and comfort craig yeah these texts contain a lot of doctor talk because you know of course mary is a phd of nursing she knows what she's talking about on friday march 10th craig mentions angela eating a cracker and a protein shake, and some chicken noodle soup, all of which she vomited up. Yeah. Craig also makes a very weird comment to Mary. Um, Quote, if it wasn't my wife, this would be kind of a fun puzzle to work out. Weird. Yeah, that is really Mm -hmm. weird. He says, when I talk to her, she seems like she's in a ton of pain and super, super tired. On March 15th, Mary asks, quote, how are you holding up? I know that's a dumb question. How are the kids? Craig answers, quote, she's not laughing at any of my jokes either, so you know it's really bad. Craig then sent two pictures later in the day with a text including crash intubated. This crash in her health required Angela to be moved into the ICU, and she was put on life support. Angela showed no brain activity after the crash. She was essentially brain dead. That Angela, her family and friends loved so much, was all but gone. It was just a matter of hours in the hospital before she lost this consciousness this I, day. I know. It was like she faded so quickly. I mean, she walked into the hospital not yeah. too not too far earlier in the day. So on the 16th, during the early morning hours after Angela was intubated, this is also the morning after the two friends, Randy and Craig, had the confrontation on the phone. Randy and Mary contacted Detective Olson and shared all of their information that they had and the text that had been exchanged. Yeah, Randy said that he and Craig had been business partners since August of 2022. 
when he acquired James's dental practice. The business was struggling financially and Randy was able to revive the practice. The friends had known each other for over 20 years. So I, I wonder if that was hard on Craig to have his friend come in and like save the practice. Yeah, especially if he had a big ego, that would definitely, I feel like, be really hard. I think it'd be hard for anyone, but he does seem like he has quite an ego. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Mm-hmm. So they'd gone to dental school together and had been longtime friends. Randy described his friend Craig James as a risk taker throughout their friendship. Craig had recently filed for bankruptcy in 2021 and was on the verge of having to file for bankruptcy again. Yeah, Randy also shared that just a few months ago, Craig had told him about some marital problems he and Angela were experiencing. At 8.36 a.m. on the 16th, James Craig sent a long text to his friend Randy. Here is the text Craig sent to Randy. Quote, Good morning. Thank you for taking my patient load today. I want to make an urgent plea to you. If we were ever friends, please do this favor for me. Please don't talk to anyone about what we talked about last night, including any law enforcement officers. You are under no obligation to answer their questions unless you are served a subpoena and you will do more damage than good to my family by continuing to insert yourself into this. Angela is gone and I am devastated. There is nothing that can bring her back and I want desperately to tell you all of the details so that you can better understand what's gone on behind the scenes with her. There is so, so much that you don't know that I wish you did. If you knew everything, this would make so much sense to you, but there is no use in telling you right now. You and I have a history of you and other partners and name redacted all talking about me behind my back and deciding what you think is best. And then you're always the fall guy that has to pull the trigger or tell me what you've all decided about me. In fact, yesterday you didn't even come to me. I had to seek you out. You had never given me the advantage of talking with me first. You just decide and then act and hope I'll pick up the pieces after. This is a pattern of our business dealings and now has become a factor in our personal dealings. Let me paint a picture for you of what this has done. Yesterday, I had to tell my kids their mom was not going to wake up and they were there to say their final goodbyes. That was at 6.45 p.m. The hospital said we could bring the kids up to say goodbye at the time, but because of the investigation you opened with your incomplete information, the hospital made those poor, grieving, hysterical kids wait until after 10 p.m. to see their mom. After an hour or so of saying goodbye to her, we went home just before midnight only to have our house sealed against our entry by the police. Instead of getting to go home and find comfort, they were met with flashlights and cold, unfeeling cops, and the kids, scared and confused, had to go to sleep at the home of a ward member. Family is starting to come into town today, and I have to tell them they can't come to my house and try to explain why. I have to hire a homicide attorney to make sure I don't end up being painted in the light that you know some hungry DA is anxious to paint me in because I am most likely going to be charged, even though that is absolutely not what happened. Randy, I understand why you did what you did. I do. I get it. But if you would have come to me personally, man to man, instead of talking to everyone else about what you thought you knew, I might have let you in on some details that would have made you less likely to cause this horrible storm. 
Man, Randy, if you had only put me higher on your list of priorities instead of putting everyone else's opinions and gossip ahead of me, for that I am very, very mad at you. I have talked to you about this multiple times, but you don't seem to care, and now what you thought was responsible has become reckless and so, so destructive. And so I'm asking if there was ever any love in your heart for me, please don't make this any worse by talking to any officers or anyone else about this unless you are legally forced to. And whoever else on the team you think is going to be questioned, I would ask that you privately ask them to honor this request too. Also, please do not respond to this text until I text you again. Wow, there is a lot in that text <laughs> to unpack. A lot, yeah. I'm sorry, but it's never a good thing when a friend tells you not to talk to the police. Yeah, that definitely raises red flags. I mean, there's so much in here. He also said he was devastated by Angela's condition. Um, he's He's got some definite like, manipulation going on in there, saying that there is so much that you don't know, you don't understand, if only you had the facts. Yeah, and then he turns it around and tries to blame it all on Randy. Like, this is your fault that you brought the police into this. Yeah, and the fact is, is like... Craig's the one that ordered poisoning, and then his wife dies mysteriously. I mean, you can't ignore those facts. Definitely. Aurora Police Department Major Crimes Homicide Detective Chamberlain spoke to University Hospital staff about Angela's condition on March 16th, 2023, at approximately 12.30 a.m. Her doctor shared the status of Angela's health. She suffered from lack of oxygen, had no pupil reaction, and began to have increased intracranial pressure, which caused decreased perfusion pressure and was sent to the ICU. Detective Chamberlain learned Angela had no brain activity and she may not make it through the evening. The Aurora Police Department reached out to Carrie, the office manager at Craig's Dental Practice. You know, remember she got the peek inside the mysterious personal package ordered by Craig. So Carrie knew that on March 6th, Craig and Angela worked out in the morning. Before the workout, Craig made Angela a protein shake containing quote-unquote extra protein because she said she was, Angela was feeling sluggish. After the workout, Angela became faint and dizzy enough that Craig took her to the hospital. So during one of Angela's hospital visits before her final days, Craig had a conversation with Carrie and he told her that he didn't think his wife was going to, quote, make it. In the same conversation, Craig asked about the business in the office. She found it strange that he was concerned about his dental practice day-to-day -day business while his wife was experiencing such a serious medical condition. Yeah, so she shared an interesting detail with law enforcement. Craig told her when Angela was discharged on March 14th, Angela accused him of poisoning her. She said something like, quote, there are poisons they don't test for. Oh, I just can't imagine how scared Angela is at this point. And what do you do? So I, scary. I, like the amount of like deception to have your partner, you know, yeah. poison. I can't even wrap my head around that. So after hearing that Angela was back in the hospital on the 15th, Carrie called another person, this name was redacted, who worked at the dental practice and shared all she knew. This information was given to Randy and Mary, so that's how they found out about what was inside that package. Yeah. Carrie also shared that she knew that Angela and Craig were having marital problems. 
Craig had said he wanted to divorce Angela and he had become distant from his staff at work. Yeah, he would sometimes, you know, leave the office at lunchtime and blame it on fights with his wife. Yeah, so his personal life at this point was definitely affecting his work life. Yeah, I think a lot of people share personal details with coworkers that that like line of professional and personal can get really like fuzzy. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You're, you spend a lot of time with the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. On March 16th, three search warrants were filed. One for James and Angela's home, one for Summerbrook Dental, and another one that has the name redacted. So we're not sure. Yeah. Craig was provided a copy of the signed search warrants um, requesting his cell phone, Angela's cell phone, his wallet, and his laptop. Uh, He handed over everything with the passcodes. He did not carry a regular wallet, but he used a phone case wallet. Law enforcement took pictures of his credit cards and Colorado driver's license and then returned the cards to Craig. So at 8.45 a.m. on March 16th, the police executed the search warrant at the Craig home. They noted they had external and internal surveillance cameras. The following items were collected. So the surveillance equipment and the recorded footage, which, you know, the recorded footage was most likely to be found on the the cloud type system accessed by devices. Definitely. Multiple types of uh, powder protein. Mm -hmm. Multiple workout style shakers used to, you know, drink the protein shakes from. A computer tablet. Uh, Two different Ziploc bags, which both had like a white, white powdery substance in them. A water bottle located on the exercise bike. Yeah, and then at 11.45 a.m., just a few hours after the house warrant was executed, the police executed a warrant at the Summerbrook Dental, which luckily the office was closed for business, so, you know, no customers with their root canals were disturbed. Yes. Law enforcement collected the computer from exam room number nine. This is where he had been seen that one night, most likely ordering the poison. A laptop from the office that showed James to be the last person to use it. Yeah. Also, the police collected Craig's personal laptop. They collected a white powdery substance from a small hand vacuum. Um, not sure exactly what that was, but yeah. mm-hmm. there's a lot of white powdery substance. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, let's take a break here before we analyze the findings. And so here is our sponsors. Thank you, Balance of Nature, for sponsoring Rocky Mountain Red Handed. Melanie, I love my Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies contain 31 flash dried fruits and vegetables. 31. They are specifically selected for their combined effectiveness in strengthening the immune system, cell protection, and DNA repair. The fruit capsules contain 16 different fruits, including aloe vera, apple, banana, blueberry, cherry, cranberry, grape, grapefruit, lemon, mango, orange, papaya, pineapple, raspberry, strawberry, and tomato. Oh, Melanie, do you need a drink of water after that? That was a long list. Balanced Nature packs so much into their caplets. Now, here's the veggies, Mel, and we know you don't like your veggies. The veggies include a blend of 15 different pure whole vegetables. In the capsules, you'll find broccoli, cabbage, carrot, cauliflower, cayenne pepper, celery stalk, garlic, kale, onion, shiitake mushrooms, soybean, spinach, wheatgrass, yam, and zucchini. So go and order today so you can start taking your Balance of Nature vitamins. Go to balanceofnature.com and use code REDHANDED. Or you can use the link in our show notes. That's balanceofnature.com, code REDHANDED. Take your vegetables. 
Thank you so much to our sponsors. So now we'll get back to the story. While examining Angela's phone, police found many texts typical of, you know, just a husband and wife between Angela and Craig texting about their day, their children's days, activities, you know, all those type of things. Angela had Craig as listed as, quote, the boy in her phone with a picture of the two of them. That makes me sad. Like, every couple has little pet names. Yeah. Do you have pet names with your husband? Yeah. Actually, in my phone, my husband, his name is Christian. I have him as Christian, my love. Oh, mine is my hubby. My hubby. See? Oh, it's just so sad. It's like she was someone we'd be friends with. Yeah. So sad. So it contained many, like, I love yous and, like, hey, baby, how you feeling? Craig presented as if he was a very caring and attentive husband on their texts. Angela was very loving as well. You can hop on our socials and read a ton of the texts from screenshots that were included in the arrest warrant. You can tell from the text that Angela was obviously fatigued. And, you know, trying to keep up with her daily life. She sounded you know, very kind and dedicated to her family, but you can tell, like, she was suffering. At one point in the conversation, Craig asks, have you eaten anything? Angela answers, I had my protein shake and magnesium makes me weird. Craig asks, are you nauseous? Angela answers, no, I feel drugged. Oh, that's so sad. Mm-hmm. Craig responded with, given our history, I know that must be triggering. Just for the record, I didn't drug you. Yeah. Remember that statement. We're going to get back to this later. Okay. In the text, Angela apologizes and expresses gratitude to her husband that he is stuck doing everything for the family and trying to be there for her. She says at one point, I love you too, baby. Thank you for handling so much. Maybe someone will figure me out tonight. The texts do not sound like a couple on the brink of divorce. They sound like they're normal conversations. Um, And that's what Craig's telling the people at the office. But their texts don't make it sound like that. Reading their texts, they sound like a super happy, normal couple. There's no fighting. It's it's very odd. Mm -hmm. Child Protective Services caseworker Sydney Romero met with the Craig family on March 16th and conducted interviews. Yeah, Craig alleged that Elanjo was suicidal and had been for quite a while. He claimed that he personally had to revive Angela on several occasions over the last few months. I mean, that just seems so weird. Wouldn't you still call 911 and there'd still be record of that? I would. I mean, this is not something you handle internally, especially if he does revive her. She needs follow-up medical care. Like, why would you not share that with anyone? Yeah, that's really weird. He said he had asked for a divorce in December of 2022. And since that time, Angela had been depressed and suicidal. Yeah, Craig said Angela was intentionally overdosing on opioids and other unknown substances. And so she's apparently driving her kids around and doing her normal routine while, like, on the brink of overdosing. Yeah, and where is she getting these drugs from? It just seems, like, weird. Yeah, I mean, she's like a soccer mom, a mom of six kids. Like, who does she know? I, I just think it's weird that no one would have had a heads up. Definitely. So he never reported any of these incidents, never sought medical attention, never sought professional counseling or therapy for Angela. He stated he was sure her toxicology would come back positive for substances and they have not released that yet and I will be looking for it. Okay. We'll keep you up to date. Mm-hmm. Now, Sydney, who is the caseworker, thought it was odd because none of Angela's six children mentioned any type of depression or suicide attempts. Yeah, Sydney thought that it was very unlikely, 
for none of the children. And remember, they have adult children as well. None of the children were aware of their mother's alleged major depression, substance abuse, or, you know, the suicide attempts. So on the evening of March 16th, the Craig family, minus the two oldest children who were returning from living out of town, stayed with a family friend whose name was redacted. Yeah, this friend contacted the police and let them know that the Craig family was staying at their home. On March 17th, Detective Harris and Olson examined the hard drive to the computer from dental exam room nine. And guess what they found, Beck? Okay, I'm guessing they found some really fishy stuff there, Mel. Yeah, people don't usually work in the dark, so I bet you're <laughs> probably right. Yeah, so they found a new email address was created on uh, Gmail. It was jimandwaffles at gmail.com, and it was created on February 27th. Uh, side note, all activity on this Gmail account ended on March 16th. That's the day Angela was determined brain dead. Yeah, and this email account was never used on any other device. So not his personal laptop, not home computers, iPhone, iPad, nothing. It was just this one computer. Yeah, just this one random computer in this exam room that apparently he works in the dark. So under the email and user, they observed searches for... Shocker, poisons. Including the search, uh, how many grams of pure arsenic will kill a human and is arsenic detectable in autopsy? On February 27th, Craig ordered arsenic metal 99.999% crystalline metalloid, 10 grams, from, get this mouth, Amazon.com. It cost, <laughs> <laughs> cost $13 and it was ordered under his new email account. I don't even know how to go on from that. That's shocking that you can order that on Amazon. Yeah, like I buy my toilet paper from Amazon. They shouldn't sell poisons. I am, I'm in shock right now. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. The poison was to be shipped to his home address. The description of the item on Amazon says arsenic is often believed to be used for murder as it has been in many crime novels. And the real danger is in swallowing it, which could very well prove fatal. Why is that on Amazon with that description? I don't know. Anyone who knows someone from Amazon listening, let's get that taken down. Okay. I mean, it has to after this case, right? That's yeah. crazy. Bezos, attention. Let's get that taken yes. down, okay? Craig watched a YouTube video, which was called Top 5 Undetectable Poisons That Show No Signs of Foul Play by It's All Viral. He also searched for information regarding how to make his own poison from oleanders, and he looked up where he could purchase some of the flowers. I have oleanders. They are beautiful. That's crazy. Yeah. Further searching of the new email account, the police found additional purchases of poison, one of which was an order from Midland Scientific on March 9th for the potassium cyanide. Remember, March 9th is when Angela was first admitted to the hospital. Yeah, that's right. After the purchase was made, an employee of Midland Scientific reached out to Craig requesting a mandatory usage statement for what Craig needed the product for. She also told Craig that they did not have the item in stock, but their supplier could overnight it. Apparently, Craig needed this item ASAP. Yeah. Craig responded to Name Redacted, the Midland Scientific employee, with her request. He lied and said he was a surgeon who was going to do a cranial facial reconstruction. He said he needed the chemical to see if it would help with the layering of alternative metals. If successful, he was going to publish a paper in the National Institutes of Health. 
What a liar. I would think you'd have to prove that you're a surgeon. I would think so. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure the employee of the company was thinking, why is he emailing me from, what is this email? Jim at waffles.com, at gmail.com. That's not very professional. No, it's not. And you would think that you would like have it through your office, like legit, not a Jim and waffles at Gmail account. Yeah. Yeah. So because Craig had to send in the documentation, it delayed the shipping. He was not happy at all that the product could not be overnighted. On March 10th, Craig contacted the employee at Midland Scientific asking for shipment information. With emails back and forth, Craig constantly was asking for tracking information, and he received the product on March 13th. The detectives also found emails that were very intimate and sexually explicit with a woman name, name redacted, so we're going to call her Kathy. So real quick, I just want to say I think we need to consider Kathy as a victim in this case, too. Don't you think, Mel? Like, chances are Craig is lying through his teeth constantly with her. And so I just kind of want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he has lied about everything up until this point. So Mm -hmm. we don't know what her situation is or what she actually knew. Yeah, and this poor woman is a a dental professional in Texas. Like, she just probably – I'm assuming they met at, like, conferences or something. Yeah. And – who knows if she even knows his situation. Yeah. So like Becky said, Kathy lives in Texas. So these emails included several travel plans for them to meet up. Yeah. The first rendezvous the couple had was March 8th through 10th. And Kathy took a flight from Austin to Denver. Remember, Angela was in the hospital from March 9th to March 14th. So Craig is just having a romantic getaway with his girlfriend and texting his wife in the hospital, hoping that she's getting better. The second scheduled rendezvous was March 16th through the 20th. This flight from Austin to Denver was purchased the exact same day as the arsenic was purchased. The police also found an email from Kathy, which was sent on March 16th suggesting Craig had told her that something bad had happened to Angela. So Kathy's email says, Hi, honey. I am so sorry for what has transpired this week in your world. I am sorry I'm not a part of your world to be of more help to you, and instead I am pulling you away. This is so hard. I want to be and do whatever I can to support and encourage you. And I don't want to add to what has become an incredibly difficult time. I can't imagine what this is doing to you to walk your kids through this. I do want to give you any comfort I can, but I do not feel it is right for me to mix in with all of those gathering to mourn Angela, and I do not want to meet your family as a friend and try to conceal what I feel for you. I am praying for you and seeking God's wisdom for this time. I love you. So this was sent on on the 16th. She must have been at Denver at this time, but this email also does make it sound like she at least kind of knows Angela. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's a really good point. But like, she's literally sitting in Denver on the day while Angela is, is pronounced brain dead. Mm, It's like, yeah, crazy. On March 17th, Detective Olson spoke with someone close to Angela, whose name was redacted. We will call her Tiffany. So Angela visited her in Utah from March 1st through the 5th. So while in Utah, Angela was completely healthy, not sick in any way. Tiffany shared that Angela and James Craig's marriage had always been a difficult one. 
Craig had multiple affairs with different women during their marriage, and he was addicted to pornography since he had been a teen. Approximately five to six years ago, he had drugged Angela with an unknown drug. Yeah, when Angela recovered, he admitted to drugging her and said he had planned to drug himself in the bathroom to take his own life, and he didn't want her to find him. So this is what he was referring to as their history. Detective Olson believes that what he meant when he stated, quote, given our history, I know that must be triggering just for the record. I didn't drug you. Okay. I don't even know how to start with that, Mal. I don't know how you stay in a relationship after that. Like, bless her. Yeah. You have to have zero Mm -hmm. trust. Yeah. Angela wanted to leave Craig several times during the last 16 years of their marriage. Not a surprise on that one, but Craig always talked her out of it. Angela shared with Tiffany that Craig had, quote, run the dental office into the ground and that they were broke. She also shared that he had recently gone to Las Vegas and gambled away over $2,000. Now, $2,000 isn't like crazy in Vegas, but when you're broke and you have six kids, you don't go down to Las Vegas and spend $2,000. When Craig spoke with Tiffany after Angela had lost all brain activity, He told her that he would not allow the hospital to perform an autopsy. Tiffany said she pleaded with Craig. She even suggested that Angela's death could be genetic and maybe an autopsy could protect the children in the future. Yeah, I mean, Craig continued to refuse an autopsy. So here's my question. I don't know if you know, Mel. Can he refuse an autopsy if the cause of death is unknown? I'm pretty sure that detectives could overrule that and say we need to have an autopsy. I would think so, especially if it's unknown. I don't think it's up to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on March 18th, 2023, the hospital informed Detective Bobby Olson that Angela was pronounced brain dead at 4.29 p.m. by University Hospital physician Natalie Held. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention tells us that ingesting arsenic typically causes severe gastrointestinal signs and symptoms such as vomiting, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. The signs and symptoms might lead rapidly to dehydration and shock. And if you remember in the text, um, if you look over on our socials, Angela told her husband a couple of times that she was so thirsty, even though she was drinking a lot of water. Different clinical manifestations might follow prolonged QT, T-wave changes, altered mental status, and multi-system organ failure that ultimately could result in death. Also, the CDC tells us ingesting cyanide typically causes chest pain, confusion, dizziness, eye pain, eye tearing, excitement, difficulty breathing, headaches, nausea, rapid or slow heart rate, rapid or slow breathing, restlessness, short of breaths, breath, vomiting, weakness, and wheezing. In addition, more serious symptoms include higher low blood pressure, loss of consciousness, lung injury, seizures, coma, and death. So, wow, that is a lot of information. So with all of that from the CDC, like, let's line it up and see what Angela suffered with between March 6th and March 15th, the time that, you know, police are alleging that she was being poisoned by these protein shakes. Yeah. So dizziness. Yeah. Check. Her head felt funny. Check. Her eyes did not want to focus. Mm-hmm. Blurred vision, check. Her eyes felt heavy and slow. Check. She felt drugged. Yeah, I would think that would be like confusion, dizziness. Yeah, check. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going back. Yeah, what about um, her whole body? She said she said her whole body was tingly, extreme headache, eye discharge, um, altered mental state, 
Yeah. And then on the tech, she's high in low blood pressure. Her blood pressure is just so like erratic. Yeah, check to all of those. Weakness, shaky, tired, nausea, and vomiting. Yeah, she's like literally checking every single symptom. Yeah, mm-hmm. this poor girl as she was going through this just really, really was suffering. I'm sure that she was so scared too. And it was literally, I mean, it was a slow, slow downhill fall of 10 days 10 days of not knowing why you don't feel good. It makes me feel so much better that the Aurora Police Department jumped right on this case and, you know, didn't let up. Yeah, definitely. Detective Olson shared in her conclusion of the arrest warrant that she spoke to numerous people who were close to Angela. Not one person suggested or saw any evidence of suicidal ideations from Angela. The bottom line is that there is a lot of evidence proving Craig researched ordered and received poisons and he was involved in a sexual relationship with a woman who was not his wife he was flying his mistress in and out of denver all while his wife and mother of his six children is lying in a hospital bed in her closing paragraph in the arrest warrant detective bobby olson says based on the totality of the investigation james craig has shown the planning and intent to end his wife's life by searching for ways to kill someone undetected, providing her poisons that align with her hospitalized symptoms, and working on starting a new life with Kathy. There is more than enough preliminary evidence sufficient to arrest James Craig with premeditated first-degree murder. Based upon the foregoing facts and circumstances, your affiant feels that she has a probable cause to believe that the offense of CRS 18-3-1021A charge premeditated first degree murder class F1 has been committed and that James Tolliver Craig, dated of birth 21178, did commit the offense. Craig was arrested and was formally charged on March 23rd just five days after his wife of 23 years, Angela, died. Angela and Craig's six children are dealing with the loss of not only their mother, but their father as he remains in custody. James Tolliver Craig will be back in court on April 7th. Can I just say congratulations and a job very well done to Detective Bobby Olson and everyone who worked on this case. Like, I love seeing a female detective leading a thorough and, like, well-executed investigation. Kudos, Aurora Police Department. There is so much coming out every day on this story. Don't worry, we'll keep you up to date on every factual detail. So make sure you are subscribed and be sure to check out our socials. We've posted a ton of pictures to go with this case. Yeah, and you are going to want to tell your friends about this case, share with them, because I have a feeling this is going to be a very big one in the news. Angela deserves justice, so please share this with your friends, um, you know, post it, do whatever you can, get this word out. Yeah. Um, Again, our love and prayers go out to all those suffering, especially her children at this time. May Angela be remembered and be at peace where she is. So until next time, keep keep your hands clean. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank you for supporting Rocky Mountain Red Handed. And please go follow us on our social medias. Um, We'd love to hear your comments and we want you to see all the pictures and the sources that we've posted. Our Instagram and our Facebook again are Rocky Mountain Red Handed. And our Twitter is RMRH Podcast. And don't forget to email us. Yes. Mel, what's that email? Our email is RockyMountainRedHanded at gmail.com. Yeah, send us your case recommendations from your local community. Have a great day.